Tony. Hey, Maddie. Do me, do me a solid, will you? If I ever um, lose consciousness for a long period of time, perhaps a coma or otherwise unconscious, please don't try to revive me the way that uh, our female protagonist tries to revive Patrick. You, you have my promise, a solemn, a solemn promise and a solemn oath for me that, that that's not going to be a problem. You say that now, but. You know. I know. I mean, you know, if I'm there and you're not, I, <laughs> if no one's around. If a hunky doctor is encouraging you to. Yeah. You know, look, I, <laughs> I barely know how to talk about this. I <laughs> barely know how. <laughs> All right. Well, this is uh, the world of Patrick, which is a new world to me. It's a 1978 film we're going to get into in a minute. Uh, and if you've seen the movie, you get exactly what we're referencing and you're probably laughing a or B might have shut it off, uh, but we are going to have fun with Patrick. Um, and you might be surprised by my take, Tony, given my intro, but that's a little tease. Uh, before we get to that, we have a lot of house cleaning to do after last week. If you listen to last week's episode, which was also the subject of the subject of the film we did was kind of telekinesis. We did the dead zone. Uh, the, it was a great episode, but it ended with some tremendous confusion as I threw in a last second rule that uh, I felt too early in the podcast's history, only 40 some odd episodes in, that we have two films by the same artist on the shelf. And we already had a Christopher Walken film called Communion on the list. So I said, let's choose one. And it got really confusing because I also <laughs> had put in an arbitrary rule into this podcast that we could only have <laughs> five picks each that were our own when we diverged on, a, on an opinion. Yeah, that got me a little confused, I'll admit. So so I much like, do you remember the um, Wonder Twins from the cartoons of our youth? Vaguely. It was a, it was a brother and sister duo and they'd go, Wonder Twins, activate. And they oh, would activate touch. the bracelets yeah. or their, their rings, rings, Tony, the rings. rings. Yeah, jewelry. <laughs> they had a little jewelry and they, yeah, I remember. They had a little uh, monkey named Gleek. That I don't remember. I guess I didn't watch it, but I heard people around the schoolyard saying things like that. And they would call out Wonder Twins. Well, we called out to our uh, super fan, Carrig, solve this. <laughs> right. Because so, Carrig actually made a spreadsheet of all our picks. Uh, no. Wow. Us, yeah. Uh-huh. Carrig sent us a message. He said, all right, I'm listening to the ending for like the third time right now. And I'm confused. <laughs> if Carrig is confused, we're in trouble. Because I mm -hmm. think Carrig is, is not, you know, I think he seems like a smart guy. Like he'd be able to analyze things and properly understand a schematic and you know the rules of for instance this this show or a game we blew it i don't know what's going on either it's all me maddie did you give the dead zone a p for paranormal or not because if you did then you guys did not split on the film and there was no need for a para keeper that's the uh, phrase i came up with keeping a choice for each right of Unless under your new rule where you can't have two movies with the same actor on the shelf, then you take the dead zone off and not give it a B. If that's the case, then is my spreadsheet accurate? Question mark, question mark, question mark. And I just went cross-eyed. Um, so he said, <laughs> you've actually done 40 reviews. I show you guys splitting on five solid reviews, but I feel like it's six because it sounds like you split on Halloween kills. Maddie with a no, Tony with a yes. But Nat, Maddie, you never really said a solid no or yes. So I'm going to go ahead and clear that up right now. Halloween kills was a no for me. Um, I mean, in, in, in regards to that, I, I, did, I wasn't really feeling like this was an official review show. This was a special. This was a Halloween special. I don't want to be put on the spot about whether I'm putting it on the shelf or not, Carrick. Oh, no. So maybe we're now even more confused. Good <laughs> Lord. Oh, no. <laughs> it's going to get bumped off my personal shelf instantly. Well, I think the way it split was I decided to keep, if I had to keep one walk-in film based on my arbitrary last second criteria, uh, I picked communion and you kept dead zone which i'm very happy with right I, i'm i'm happy with it too i i, okay. I mean I'm, ha I'm not happy that you chose communion over dead zone but i i, I feel you're I, I mean i i sense you're trying to be diplomatic in your choices not coming from the heart like this no. is, we're like well we can't have two 
Cronenberg movies up there already. And, well, and that's so true. it's getting political. No, I don't know. I don't know that I can, you know, sportify this to the degree that we're 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 doing right now. It was an arbitrary rule that I came up with, but I, I like to challenge us. There's a lot of films out there and to have two two of the same film by the same director with the same star to me seemed egregious this early in the podcast. So I just decided to make us choose and I went with communion because as okay. I said, I loved how that movie portrays abductees. I just think it was really uh, kind of brave. I, I got you. I got you. This we're, we're at an interesting talking point though, which I'd mm -hmm. like to clear up because I've been a little confused myself sometimes about what the shelf represents. Yes. I feel like it has to hit the criteria of paranormal for me to want to put it up there. Um, the, handle the subject matter smartly, that it be maybe respectful to the situation or exceptionally good handling that kind of uh, material. So in other words, you can say, no, it doesn't get a P for paranormal, but it's a great movie. Absolutely. Okay. I just yeah. want to make sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that's even happened from time to time. We're like, gosh, it's a good movie, but um, boy, you know the 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 portrayal of ghosts was crazy or something like that. I just wanted to be clear. Yeah, it 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 has to be like a perfect storm of of handling the paranormal aspects either well or or interestingly. Perfect and storm. I don't think was paranormal. I actually auditioned for that movie. Did I ever tell you my perfect storm story? No, yeah, I would love oh. to hear it. Oh. It's time for another uh, annoying, self-aggrandizing Maddie anecdote. And now, now it's time, time for another, another one of my pointless, self-aggrandizing anecdotes. We got plenty of time. Just we actually, <laughs> we actually don't. Uh, I tried out for the movie Perfect Storm, and I came home to the Boston casting directors. I was in Boston at the time, before I moved to New York and got signed by uh, our one-time mutual agent. And um, I had a message from the Boston casting agent saying, Maddie Blake, congratulations. Welcome to the perfect storm. I, I auditioned for a pretty big role too. And uh, it was Wolfgang Peterson. Right. And, 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 and he's like, Maddie, glad to have you part of the family. He said nice things and here I go. And like my wife and I are like, oh my God, <laughs> you know, like I did it. And um, you know, you know, you've had this happen. I know you have like, you get to a, it wasn't even a rehearsal. It wasn't even a table where you're just like pre-production, like fitting session, you know? And uh, I just saw the conversations going on. And I see like, you know, you can see me, but our podcast audience can't. But uh, I saw the, the hair and makeup and wardrobe people and a producer and Wolfgang doing this. <laughs> right? Like staring yeah. at my face and going, mm. they're, they're kind of making the finger gun and mm. putting the finger gun <laughs> on their face yeah. and nodding. And it doesn't look good. No. And they're looking at a picture of the actual guy I was playing and looking at mm. me, looking at the picture, looking at me, looking at very you know clinical, this, clinical vibe yeah. you're getting. Yeah, you know, you know where this is going. Uh, they're trying to put wigs on me, trying to put gray in my beard. And over jobs, not yours like, anymore. Yeah, I look like I was, you know, 18. I was probably, right. I don't know, 30 at the time. It's like you, just, you look like Long John Silver from like, oh, no, what? <laughs> this isn't working. So and long. you have to excuse yourself from the project. That's yeah. embarrassing. So I've never been in a movie with George Clooney is the end of that story. I'm, I'm very sorry that you weren't in that. Thank you, buddy. It took a little while to get over that one, but uh, here I am. I, I wouldn't trade it all for this. I'll tell you that. <laughs> don't, don't say things like that. Well, because had that <laughs> the premiere, you'd be with Clooney and yeah. oh, it would be great. But, John Hawks would be there. You'd be friends with John Hawks at the oh beginning of his career. I'm pretty sure that's maybe who got the role. I forget which role I was going he for. He might have. Yeah. Well, at uh, least he's a great actor. So oh, he didn't lose it to some. Exactly. Some moron. And but had I got that role, like I would have met you, let's say, and then you would have said, "Hey, Maddie, let's do a paranormal podcast." I said, "Are you kidding me? Are you out in, of your mind?" I, I was in perfect storm. <laughs> Screw you. I was sailor number five. <laughs> they actually offered me like you know a bit part and basically like a extra in the bar after that, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm good. I'm be good. too sad." Exactly. So uh, that's my sad story. Wow, that was a bummer. So let's do uh, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs>
You know Tony and I love hearing from you. Hello, Tony and Matty. This is Peter Stray here. And it's so easy to leave us a voicemail. I love your show so much. All you got to do is go to our homepage, anchor.fm slash rated paranormal. Hey, guys. I really like your podcast. Simply click the message button. I hope that that's a suggestion you'll consider. And just tell us what you think. Love what you guys are doing. I'm doing it right now. Isn't that meta? Anchor.fm slash rated paranormal. Chapstick. What do you uh, suppose she was doing down here? Replacing a fuse, I suppose. I, I, I don't know. After murdering his own mother and her lover in a bathtub, the sinister and titular Patrick lays comatose in a small private hospital, his only action being his involuntary spitting. When a pretty young nurse just separated from her husband begins working at the hospital, she senses that Patrick is communicating with her telepathically, and he seems to be using his psychic powers to manipulate events in her life. Patrick may be nearly dead, but he still kills. And that is actually music from the film, which uh, might help explain a lot. Tony, um, wake me up before you go-go. What did you think of Patrick? (laughs) Well, uh, uh, on my second viewing of Patrick, this is the second time around for me. Um, I was, I was torn between like, you know, really loving it and loving things about it and then being just utterly disgusted and, and, uh, not always in a good way. (laughs) Like there's, this movie is really, is really, it's really gross. (laughs) And it's, it's, it's really, um, it's uncomfortable and I, I like that about it, but, but yeah. there, it crosses a couple of lines for me that made it kind of a weird, weird sit. Yeah. It's funny. It's um, it's lumped in and, and, and let's give the uh, you're better at this than I am. Give, give the basic bones, the setup of the film, and then we're going to give our deeper thoughts on it. Well, the, the, the movie opens with a, with a very vivid kind of um, modern Hitchcock kind of take on a, on um a young troubled boy kind of locked in some apartment complex where he's cast he to hear his mother having uh, entertaining male friends, very loud kind of sexual encounters that he has to hear. And it seems to drive him mad. And he, uh, he comes into the, the bathroom where they're having a bath and he electrocutes them with the hair, with a heater or hair dryer. And uh, no, it's a heater that comes back later. Portable heater. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we cut to a young woman. It takes place in Australia, I think Melbourne in um, <clears throat> late 70s. And there's a young woman who's recently separated and she's looking for a job at a hospital and she comes to this hospital. It's kind of like the beginning of Suspiria. You know, she's entering this weird place and the hospital's kind of creepy. Head nurse is really unnerving and, um, you know, kind of a scary nurse ratchet type. And the doctor there is clearly a mad scientist, like the minute you meet him. Um, and uh, they're one of the things they're doing at the hospital is kind of like caring for this person who we saw murder his mother early in the movie, who's now in a coma. Some accident befell him. His eyes are perpetually open. And uh, he's, from all accounts, brain dead, the doctors say. And uh, now the nurse has to take care of Patrick, that he's basically her main job at the hospital. And um, they develop they develop a relationship, shall we shall we say, mm-hmm. of sorts. And um, that's the setup. And yeah, you know, it's funny. This movie, when I I had no awareness of it at all, it was a listener suggestion that we have now decided to review. So thank right. you for that. Just to show you, if you send us suggestions, we will get to it. It goes on the list. If it comes from you, and we haven't done it, we will take a look. Um, so I wasn't aware of it. Other than I remember a long time ago um, reading an article with Quentin Tarantino and he was talking about this Aussie exploitation. Ausploitation, yeah. Ausploitation phrase that he kind of coined and then a director used it a lot, uh, I guess, and made it kind of famous. And it's these kind of Australian grindhouse type movies, I guess. Yeah. I didn't know at the time he was talking about Patrick because he was actually talking about a climactic. And by the way, 1978 movie, we'll, there'll be some spoiler 
spoilers in here. Um, the guy leaps out of bed and, and he was specifically referencing that scene in this interview I read years ago. I didn't know it was Patrick, um, but that phrase kind of stuck with me. And I was like, oh, I didn't know Australia had their own you know, version of, of these Big time. movies. Yeah, Big I, I, didn't, time. I didn't know that. And yeah. this movie gets kind of put in there with it. All, so when I, when I realized that, I expected to hate this movie or think it's just you know, exploitation type of movie, uh, but it's really a lot deeper than I expected. Um, yeah. Most of the movies we're covering are exploitation movies. I think you could safely say that at least half of them are. So, well, you know. Def- in your best definition, how would you define exploitation movies? Because to me, it connotes something maybe a little more nefarious, but what, what does it mean no. to you? I think that, the, I think, well, I think that um, it mostly means exploiting genre kind of like elements to really get people to come to the drive-ins like you know they're just exploiting um you know uh, you know violence and exploiting you know ro- you know crime and things like that it's like you know same thing the film noir did but it's just that was their kind of term for it to bring people in are you thinking of like in terms of exploiting actors or things like that i don't think it really means that no i i meant in terms of like um uh, i always think of it as like can't be using sex, exploiting people's uh, desires, sex, oh, yeah. lust, money, greed to just kind of draw you in, which you mean movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> the movies that tend to get really um, lauded have maybe a higher purpose than box office. Right. The ones that son- sometimes connect with us. And- I don't I don't know. I, the, I, I We could argue all about that, I guess. I mean, I hear what you're saying, but. I, 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 I love what they call exploitation movies. That's just garage bands. That's all that is. That's local sports teams. That's not, that's not good or bad. That's just, you know, kind of a reference to a type and kind of movie that was made mostly at a certain time. Now we have straight to video movies, which you never get a theatrical release. I guess that's the modern equivalent, but. Right. Well, I guess put it this way. This is the best way I can put it. My bias was that when I saw this was lumped in with those, Australian exploitation movies. I thought this movie is going to be a certain type of thing. And in some ways it is, there are some cheesy sexual uh, thing, taboos that are explored and, and um, just kind of used, but I was really surprised by the snappy dialogue, uh, the performances from some of these, what I venture would guess would be, and you I'm sure know and can, fill this gap in for me but i i go these are like british stage actors i think uh, some of them um because the acting's really good <laughs> um it just wasn't what i thought it was going to be although it has elements of that like that let's start with that opening scene um there's a sex scene and then patrick our our, our comatose lead um shuffles into the bath and tosses a uh, heater into the bathtub and the way that is shot and the way it's handled in the very realistic way, they kind of hot potato it and it burns his mother's <laughs> back and it's tossed back out. Like I think a lot of directors and a lot of films in that way would just, he'd toss it in and the big, you know, and like kind of overdone, but it was done in this really authentic way. It was kind of disturbing. I go, wow, that's a hell of an opening scene. I was really impressed right off the bat. Surprisingly. Mm-hmm. So. It, 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 it's great. I mean, it definitely, it's got its own special flavor and, uh, and it's, you know, if you, if you start watching these things, they call exploitation movies, it's definitely, you can, you can see there's a type of movie that they're talking about. There's also kind of an attitude. Um, they tend to be kind of sexier, a little bit more violent than similar Canadian, for instance, exploitation movies from that time. There's similarities to them, but then the Australians were, were just had a lot more fun they were more rough and tumble with their stuff i mean this this came out before right before you know before mad max like the first one hmm. and so this was a really big movie for australia because i think it it was like the one of the first to to get across the pond you know and 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 make a splash richard franklin i think what you're picking up on here did i don't know if you researched the director at all the creator no. of patrick no but you know, he he uh, he's he was serious about his love for Hitchcock. He really, really was like um, serious about it, not just like a fan, but he was born in Australia. And then he moved to California to go to, US, I think, UCLA, where he like through his own ingenuity, got a screening of a bunch of Hitchcock movies and invited Hitchcock to come. And he did. 
my and God. apparently they hit it off because they maintained a like a correspondence for the rest of Hitch's life. Wow. And and he literally got to go and trail Hitchcock on the making of Topaz, which is one of Hitchcock's last movies. So people say that he he was like a mentor, like Hitchcock mentored him. I don't know if that's true, but he definitely hung around and watched Hitchcock make movies and, and you know, infused all of that into Patrick and the road games and the psycho two, which is also really good. I mean, he made a lot of really good, cool movies. Um, and Patrick feels like an early, ver- an early Richard Franklin movie to me. So I feel like there's stuff that just doesn't work at all. Yeah. And then there's, there are sequences that I, I love overall. It's great. But I, but you know, for a couple of things, I, I'm not, I'm going to veer off with the performance performance aspect from you a little bit. See, that's where I like, I felt there was something off there for me. Um, you know, I mean, <laughs> I mean, and not I, just because it's campy. I mean, there can be campy and great. And this was kind of like, I just didn't feel like this woman connected to this nurse character connected to, in any logical way to anything that was happening around her. Huh. And I think that it hurt the suspense of the movie. And there were things that were funny that aren't supposed to be funny, which I love. But if we're really going to talk about like, shelf worthy I, 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 I don't know well, well we'll we'll get there but i mean i think yeah there's some there's some i mean i think it's budget i did see its budget was 400 grand you know so like yeah there's uneven performances but like every third actor i thought i was really impressed by like i was like wow that's a good like the doctor who's a strange looking he reminded me of uh he reminded me of mr roper norman fell like some he sort does of- he looks like a cross between norman fell and uh yeah, like a Martin Short guy. Martin Marty Feldman. <laughs> yeah. Anybody with Fell in their name. Yeah. Um, and yet he delivers this dialogue. There's some of the dialogue, some of the, the themes that they bring up uh, among the camp and the sex. This movie's dripping in sex, 70s sex. And um, yeah, but a weird, but a specifically strange kind of weird bent thing that that is, you know, is cool, but it's like, it's not a sexy. It's not a sexy movie. Don't see this as a date movie. This isn't a date oh, movie. It's not that no. kind of sexy. No, 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 no. It's I not just want to admit, this yeah. is what I'm saying. This is like really murky, weird, well, fetishy, it, and, and not, in a, yeah. not in a fun way. It's really disturbing. Uh, yeah. I thought it was creepy. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's got a lot of, um, there's like two things. Okay, so there's like, <laughs> yeah, there's like the whole, okay, so Patrick lays in bed with his eyes wide open. It's funny, we talk, we've talked, uh, about Christopher Walken's face and, the, and how spooky and scary he is. And we talked about actors like Michael Shannon. I could see Michael Shannon again playing this role. Um, totally. Patrick, they're very much alike, this actor. Uh, he's very spooky. He can just, he just lays there with his eyes open and you're uh, like, oh. Roger Daltrey is really scary. Yeah, he does look like a Tommy Roger Daltrey. You're right, with the same hair. There's so many Tom, this is like a very Tommy connected movie. Like this is kind of like, this would be a great pairing with Tommy. Actually. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, we're gonna get to uh, we're gonna get to our greatest hospital bed scenes because this movie takes place largely in a hospital bed. Uh, but yeah, that's a great idea. Pair it with Tommy. I was thinking that movie we never got to review. We did watch it. What was the elevator movie that we had technical difficulties with and never released? The Lift. The Lift. It would be good to watch The Lift too. Because, I thought the right? same thing today. <laughs> Literally, I was like, it's on, it was written down today. Like, the, what would be great here? The Lift. It's perfect. Yeah. Man. So, um, but yeah, I found myself. I guess my my expectations were so low. I gotcha. That when I saw a, a guy who seemed classically trained to me a little bit, even though he wasn't perfect, um, but I thought he was kind of putting on. I, I didn't know if the director Richard Franklin was kind of going for a Cronenberg type of thing, even though it's pre Cronenberg like of doing not pre Cronenberg, but well, 78 was Cronenberg would have been known by a, uh, would he have been known? He was by making a, stuff earlier than that, but in Canada, yeah, I'm know. wondering if Richard Franklin would know him, but be that as it may, um, I don't know that his style would have broken through where Richard Franklin would be like Cronenberg. Right. So I was like, I didn't know if that was kind of a stylistic choice to kind of overdo some things. Yeah. I don't know. I think so. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 and I think some of that works great. What I feel like is you're watching like a really cool filmmaker working some stuff out with Patrick. Mm, mm. And, you know, granted, like if it, I, I totally hear you, because the first time I saw it, I, I was also kind of like, oh, God, this is this is amazing. Like it really is. Um, it has a reputation and it has it for a reason. Um, Patrick is, uh, you know, if you're a horror fan and you were growing up a horror movie fan, Patrick was a poster and an image that was all over the books and horror magazines and stuff that you'd collect. 
but it was it was hard to find i think when i was growing up i didn't wasn't able to see it for a while yeah it's also kind of a dirty movie yeah and so you you're not really it's i think they don't make it easy for kids to find over here um so it had this kind of reputation of being kind of like oh this is like your older brother's horror movie definitely and um so the first time you you see it and you're expecting some kind of like weird trash you know movie yeah and it's really got chops and they're really striving for something yeah yeah it's really got all that it's great i'm i'm so used to this thing i'm just like i feel like they 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 i don't know they missed a couple things the ending to me the leap is good but it falls apart for me and so i can't you know yeah, it becomes like the big crescendo endings ending is like three people standing in a room yeah. like with no motivation to be standing there really. The doctor is just kind of like this kind of evil. I don't know if he's evil or not. And he's, but <laughs> another thing that this movie it deals with some of the same things that Dead Zone dealt with in terms of trying to change events in your life using your mind. Um, and and there's a really interesting thing about the soul that keeps coming up with the doctor and like what is is there a soul? Is there life? What does it mean to be comatose and just be kept alive by a machine? Is there such a thing as life? What is life? Are we just biological entities that just breathe and take up space? Yeah. I thought those questions are very interesting. At what point does the whatever it is that keeps a person alive actually leave the body? You mean the soul? Christians call it the soul. Russians call it bioplasm. Yogis call it the life force. But my point is, that whatever it is has never been identified. Why? Because death occurs too quickly. Dying may occur slowly, but the moment of death is like the blink of an eye. You're either alive or you're dead. Another thing about this movie that I think is of note, and I've used this phrase before, Tony, we keep stumbling onto these like kind of feminist in quotes movies or, or movies that at least deal with feminist issues in the 1970s. And this character, this played by Susan... Pen Halligan, I believe. Pen I think Halligan. that's how you pronounce it. Yeah. She is unbelievable in terms of how she handles. There's a lot of misogynistic stuff in this film, the kind of 70s swinger doctor and her husband. And there's like an uncomfortable side plot about a, a, a fantasy that she has. And it's got all that. No doubt. It's 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 difficult to watch at times because of things like that. But the way she handles everything and the way she even handles scary Patrick by just going like, yeah, you, you don't scare me, you know, find my husband. She, she commands a lot of respect in this movie, the way she handles things. I, when that just shocked me, she's not a damsel in distress. In fact, she's even having sex with this hunky doctor while she decides if she's going to get back together with this husband or not. And she's kind of like playing them off against each other. Maybe I'm going to Patrick in the meantime like it's my sexuality I'll I'll pick who I want to be with which I mean that's pretty woman's lib isn't not I mean I think so I think you know um yeah I I I feel like to to the detriment of some of the horror in this movie like at a certain point she's so strong that she lacks any sense of fear or or that she's made a mistake or a critical error or actually that she's worried about anything happening really at all. So I, I, I don't know how I feel about it performance wise, but the character, like how she's uh, depicted uh, what, what the script has her do is pretty cool that way, I guess. And, and I think, um, you know, that's something about genre movies and horror movies though, that I think is actually kind of interesting. It's, it's, um, it's a very female forward kind of genre i mean even slasher movies which at their worst are exploitive in the wrong way i think but at their best you know uh play on mythic themes and fears that really do uh affect women and are about women's issues you know um surprising to me especially in a movie like this like or again going back to what i started with like my preconceived notions of what this movie would be uh, I couldn't believe that she was reacting the way she was in certain situations where I think a lot of movies of this budget and subject matter and things would just have her kind of being manipulated by all these men and like, Oh, whoa, it's so scary. And Oh, screaming. And sure, she's like, sure, no, yeah. she's like, she's a, she's a strong character that way. And that's, yeah. and that is a great thing about the movie. Uh, yeah. I, I, you know, I'm surprised to hear you go 
go there for this. I, here's the thing. <sighs> Me too. <laughs> I, I, I really like, uh, I kind of click off when uh, an animal gets killed in a film. Oh yeah. The frog and, um, scene. Now, did they I, really kill a frog? Yes, they did. Uh, and more than one. And um, what do you mean? I don't, they say in the end of the credits, the anim- the frogs that were murdered in this movie were done so under the supervision of, of the Australian Humane Society or some such thing. Who had a highball and a lucky strike going the whole time. So don't pretty you much. Worry. Yeah, exactly. Her two Michelob drinking boyfriends were like, hey, ah. they were more 70s than, than Tom Selleck's mustache. Honestly, those guys were unbelievable. It's so 70s. It's amazing. Um, but I didn't know that was a real frog. Oh, wow. That's no, yeah. You know, I, I, I yikes. And uh, and there's just I, you know, and I'm not even like on a soapbox about any of this stuff. I just literally like I part of my my I just kind of turn off like there's a part of me that just clicks off. And there's a scene pretty early in the movie where the evil doctor is like, where are my frogs? Where are He's constantly asking for his box of frogs <laughs> that's, that's supposed to come in, you know, and um, the nurse finally brings this very you know, large box to him. And there's a bunch of frogs in, in the box and he demonstrates what, like, okay. So Patrick has a disgusting habit. The character of Patrick, who's Mm -hmm. in the bed in a coma with his eyes open Mm -hmm. creepily, great image, amazing looking thing. It is. Um, He spits, which is another thing Tarantino stole from this movie for kill bill. Kill Bill. Yeah. Um, Right. Patrick spits involuntarily, they think, and you come to find out that it's kind of a form of communication and it's also representative of something else that I won't discuss, but hmm. he takes the frog to demonstrate that the spitting is just a muscle re- reaction. It's not, right. he's not alive. Right. And to do that, he, he, he kills this frog in a really, really gruesome way. Right. And um, I, I don't like that. So yeah. I kind of, in a way, I kind of like cross this movie off the list just just because of that. And I think, honestly, people you know out there need to know that that happens in films because some people take it we even harder than I do and are like, yeah, it ruins their week or I, can right, get, right. I understand that. I don't think that that's cool. So I yeah, I did not know in watching it. I assumed it was a rubber frog at some point that they replaced with the real frog. So it, I it didn't even, I didn't even flinch. Cause I was like, all right, this is, in fact, I thought it was kind of a cool idea. Hear me out. Cool idea to have that character explain uh, his state in that way, not knowing it was a real frog. Yeah. There's no need to kill any animal on any set. It's silly um, or worse than silly, but yeah. So I, I didn't know that that's surprising. Um, there's, there's a bunch of awkward things like, okay, so she develops this relationship with Patrick. She's got a husband that's left her who ends up getting trapped in an elevator for a large portion of the movie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> a super funny reveal. It's the funniest. I, it's, I think that was supposed to be funny in a way. I, I it's got, it had to have been because her husband, her ex-husband and her, well, her, it's her husband, but they're separated. He's very much involved in the movie. And then at some point he goes to see her. He's trying to win her back. And he goes to see her and then he's just dropped for what I would say 40 minutes, a half hour, 40 minutes. Hour. Like, yeah. You don't see him. And all of a sudden there's, you think the movie's kind of coming to an end. Everything seems to be kind of heading towards a conclusion. And they just smash cut to him <laughs> trapped in the elevator. And as an, uh, as a viewer, you go, Oh yeah. He's been in there all this time. Yeah. <laughs> the whole time. I, you know, Hilarious. I, I feel like it was, I don't know. I don't know what they were going for in terms of tone there. Like if that was supposed to make me laugh or not, I was, I was like laughing. I was like, you just, it didn't feel like they had control over the script at that point. Like there was all kind of like the, the production seemed to be going out of control maybe. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, I mean, you know, you got here, here's like the typifies, uh, uh, you know, like Australian grindhouse movies to me is like, yeah, they cut to the elevator and then they, then they make sure you understand he's used it as a toilet. Like he's yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's been there that long. And it, you know, it's uh, <laughs> there's some moves in there that just kind of like make this movie just a little bit more disgusting than maybe you you were prepared for. And and speaking of that, that so she has this relationship despite those other two male relationships. She has this connection with Patrick. And he starts communicating with her via typewriter, which I thought was really interesting. 
really spooky when that first starts happening. I'm like, I wish more movies would use things like this. I mean, that Isn't was that a great. That first typewriter scene is fantastic. So she's typing a letter for work and she in her mind, she's typing the words she wants to type. But when she looks at the paper, it's his voice saying things to her, which I thought was a brilliant device. Um, and it gets pseudo sexual with them. Um, you know, pseudo. <laughs> and that was my joke at the beginning. Uh, how do I say this? One way that she can get his mind going or get a response from him is giving him the old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just want to which say happens, way I which, which they have to make sure, you know, happen. Like it happens three times in the movie. It's discussed several times as well as many other like things that the head nurse, you know, describes all the, she, she makes the, has this great speech, the head nurse, when she hires this oh. new nurse oh. of, of how hard it is to keep, you know, a good nurse at this hospital. She's very demanding. And she, you know, and then she gets all these crazy people come in to do, apply for this job. And she says, all these crazy people want to come work for Patrick, like people into all, she, she lists the most Necro bizarre list of like necrophilia and all these incredibly strange is like, I believe an inspiration for the secretary character in Ferris Bueller's day off and that famous clip of her going dweebs, nerds, boneheads, stoneheads, like that <laughs> whole thing. Right. It's like the same speech, except it's like the darker side of that. That nurse actually is awesome. Like she's chilling. I'm going to let her speak and kind of see how she does what she does. And also coincidentally, Tony, I'm going to let her speak to you because this is something I've been meaning to say to you. This is your new rules for working with me on this podcast. Now, I expect you to do exactly as you are told, no more and no less. And I expect you to keep your nose clean, your mouth shut, and your hands off. So there you go, Tony. Yeah, please. I'd appreciate the hands off. She sounds exactly like Julie Andrews. Yeah, she does. It sounds like Mary Poppins giving the room cleaning advice. You're That's right. really creepy. Yeah. Bit spot. There's one thing I want to play for you. Um, I mentioned the snappy dialogue, some of the really kind of impressive dialogue at times, and this kind of hunky swinging 70s doctor, <laughs> you know, who's having an affair with her, um, despite all the funny things, like kind of gives some really good dialogue and some kind of really good like medical explanations that kind mm -hmm. of justify and there's one scene where he talks about how patrick could be doing what he's doing and i'm like man there was nothing this interesting in terms of explaining these abilities in in like the sixth sense even like i'm like that's a really great analogy and a really good little piece of dialogue writing all right try this i mean anything's possible we have five known senses now a man who loses any one of them his sight for example automatically compensates for that Keener sense of hearing, finer sense of touch. Now, Patrick, with all five senses cut off, if there is such a thing as a sixth sense, he's had three years to develop a beauty. I mean, I love that. I think that's like a great little piece of writing and a great little piece of acting in the middle of all this madness. Yeah. And then he, out of nowhere, he has a line where he says, are you kidding? I've... <laughs> I've seen voodoo priests, you know, rip, rip the heads remove, off chickens and remove tumor. I've seen a cab driver remove a tumor with a butter knife. Like what? Where? where did, what? Where have you been? What travel agent do you have? Now, don't you question my ability to believe things, darling? <laughs> Just and you know, I mean, yes, absolutely. And then we have like, is like for me, what is a very misbegotten, conceptually misbegotten scene of him drowning in the pool like where patrick yes. you know there's there's like a really elongated scene where patrick is mentally trying to drown her boy her new boyfriend in his fancy backyard pool one night and um it's uh it's kind of a hoot it's kind of funny doesn't it kind of overstays its welcome she doesn't try to help him that's what's fascinating she doesn't look like she's even interested in helping him i don't know if that's her I think I think as she, an actor. Or I what? think I actually found that scene maybe more effective than you did. So this was clearly a nod to Jaws. I mean, even the music kind of goes dun dun yeah. dun dun. Well, it's playing the Rites of Spring, which, which was Jaws was based on. Exactly. The, like that is that what he listens to in speakers underwater? Well, like, uh, <laughs> clearly it was like a, a nod to Jaws because you actually see the camera kind of push up to his legs like a scene yes. in Jaws. 
Yes. Jaws, but then they cut away and it's just him struggling underwater. I found that actually kind of effective. And, and um, I agree, it goes on a little too long. And I thought her reaction was actually very realistically handled because as a viewer, you're thinking, why would a guy be like getting thrashed around the pool and drowning all by himself? He wasn't asking for help. He seems to be almost right. like playing some sort well, of game by and I couldn't be having a seizure or a heart attack or something. Well, I, but he's look, not. That's what you do when you see somebody choking at a restaurant. That's fine. That's normal for you. No, I, I think part of her reaction is going like, what is he doing down there? Wait a second. Mm. Oh my, he's drowning. You know, it right. took her a minute, which I kind of yeah. liked. I don't know. I, I, well, you know, I didn't like that so much. <laughs> I thought, you know, if you're going to reference Jaws, then you better do something more than have like, you know, Bill Shatner fighting style in the pool by himself, like trying to look like he was being tossed around. I did. That sequence doesn't just didn't work. I like the idea of it, but it, I didn't think they made their point very well with it. You had a couple in the uh corner of the pool during all that literally having sex yeah having sex. i think australia must have been quite a place to hang out in the late 70s oh man swing of 70s i'm there it's even fun if you're a patient in a hospital it's just great something else i want to point out um could you could you explain in one of our uh tony's terms of the day uh what a foley artist does i can try maddie that's all i can do please and now it's time for Tony's sim- tr- cinema term of the day. <laughs> a Foley artist is somebody that they they they, they didn't uh, spend a lot of money on in this film. Um, That's why I bring it up. Somebody somebody who works in the sound department after the film is done, and they need uh, they need sound effects for things anything from um, shoes walking to a glass breaking to somebody getting punched. Um, they make all those sounds in the studio. So uh, in this movie, there's a scene where the doctor is trying to break open the door with an axe. And uh, so the instructions went out to the Foley artist, uh, evidently, to uh, I need some sort of kind of electronic sound to represent the fact that Patrick is stopping through his telekinesis, stopping the axe from hitting the door. Uh, And I'm about to play you. This is not us uh, doing a gag. This is. The sound effect in this dramatic scene of the doctor trying to break down Patrick's door. This is the sound effect that happens as the axe is stopped from hitting the door because of Patrick's telekinesis. I couldn't stop laughing. Couldn't. I mean, look. I mean, who, how could they have listened back to that? And no one just looked at each other and went, does it, am I wrong? Does that sound like a phone? Yeah, I don't like, know. I, I, it's, I, I, I get really it. What they, they were know. going for. They're going for like a, an electronic noise. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Oh, you know, it kind of <sighs> takes away a little bit of the drama there, but. Okay. <laughs> That's one of those things you wonder if that was on purpose or I, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't either. I think uh, either way uh, I'm not a fan of that part of the movie. Oh my God. Um, yeah. It does kind of fall apart. Doesn't it? It's got, it, it does. I mean, I really have to say, you know, like the, 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 this, the female female lead, I know you liked her, but I, I, you know, for me to, I never you rely on the male on the main character to kind of tell us what we're following her story and her right. emotional life. And when she has absolutely no ability to um, act frightened or, or, or appear like, you know, something mysterious is happening or something freaky is happening. I don't know what's happening. I don't know mm. if I'm supposed to take any of it seriously or if I, I don't, I'm not saying she should be, screaming or in peril or any of that i think they could have made her as you know as consistently tough and independent as she is while still you know being under some kind of uh uh, threat and that just kind of it kind of ruined it so by the end of this where people are you know try are just flying around the room by like jumping off trampolines and stuff i'm just i i didn't work for me I don't know if I'm grabbing too much out of what's basically, you know, kind of like a, as you said, 
a drive-in movie almost, uh, although it does deal with some major themes about soul and things like that. Um, I was wondering if this movie was saying something about, in terms of like sexuality and women's liberation and all that, like, you know, there's always a joke when women say like, oh, he's just good for, uh, for that act. You know, I just want my husband, I just want my man to just perform that duty and shut up and shut the hell up, you know? And in yeah. a sense, this lead, she has the husband character. She's got her husband who's, you know, the husband. And then she's got hunky doctor guy who's a swinging hunky doctor, probably not going to be faithful, but he's beautiful. And she's, you know, having fun with him. And then she's got in a way, the dream man who just lays there like slab and is, she can ha have a sexual connection with him and a telepath telepathic connection. And I'm, I'm going to, was he trying to say something about um, women's sexual freedom here? And, and she could, because she says a couple of times, her friend's trying to give her advice and she says, no, I'm going to see how this plays out. You know, I'm not choosing anyone right now. Um, that type of thing. And I go, wow, that's a very, I guess, you know, I don't know, forward thinking, way to portray a lead. I'm not saying I loved her as an actor. I'm just saying that character, I don't think any of that stuff was by accident, her reaction to things, her not showing fear. I think that was the, I, I think they did that on purpose. And I'm not saying she's not a good- So it wasn't an accident. It was a bad idea. In other, in other words. Well, it's, it's definitely <laughs> a bad idea. <laughs> but I, you know, I like when directors go for things, even if it's just swinging a miss. Oh, I, you know? I do too. You know me, I, I'm yeah. all for it. And there's yeah. things about this movie I'm a, I'm a big champion of. I, right. I, I just, you know, it has to pull it together in the third act in some capacity for me to be really excited about it. It makes a lot of promises that it does not fulfill as a horror movie or as a thriller. I mean, it, it is on paper, it happens, but it, you know, where it counts in that last third, it has nothing in it that, that rivals that typewriter scene or even no. just the image of Patrick sitting in that bed. I mean, there's great, really right. cool things in the movie, but it, it just, to me, it falls, it just falls on its face at the yeah, end it and, and it's a mess. And I can't, I can't just give it a pass because they were trying. I mean, I, I, I you know, and, and admittedly, I'm, I'm, I literally am like, I can't full, full, like, let's just say it. That's not on my shelf because you can't kill a frog for me. I'm not entertained by that. That's not something I find necessary right. to convey your message. Right. It's not biology so, class. You're not learning no. anything from it. Right? And I'm not, a, I'm not like a vegan. I'm just a person who like yeah, just you. really, you know, gets, uh, gets kind of offended when you can't come up with a cleverer way to show something yeah. than by murdering something for my right. entertainment. Like right. I'm just Agreed. not into it. Agreed. I didn't know that. I probably would have shot, you know, kind of shied my eyes away a little bit more. I just was like, okay, here's the rubber frog that they've. Replaced. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, I guess now that I say it out loud, I think I'm onto something. Cause I was just thinking like, you got the, the husband and then you've got your kind of playboy, good looking guy. And then Patrick almost represents like a mental relationship, a, a kind of like a Cyrano de Bergerac type of thing where she's, she's attracted to his mind. Let's face it, you know, because that's all she has. Right, well, but he's a but he's a murderer. He's a he's a, he's literally a psychopath. Which right. is which is when well, she realizes that she doesn't is know not, that is, though. But first. she realizes it later, and right. then, and then, and guess what happens? She it goes oh, and makes out with it. Like it's not even information that registers for her. So I don't, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, you yeah, know, yeah. all these mess. things that they set up don't they don't tie yeah. up or pay off for me. And then I would agree. Uh, that said, I had I, I, not knowing about the frog thing. I had a blast watching this. I was laughing out loud. I was also, oh, like I yeah. said, surprised several times um, by the dialogue and stuff. So um, hmm, I'm glad I watched it, though. I am because it was definitely a blind spot and it was a hell of a lot of fun. It's going to make me dive deep into these other Australian exploitation films. Check them out. It's a really cool um kind of genre of its of its own and there's a great place to start there's a there's a documentary called um not quite hollywood that came out a few years ago great that's all about exploitation and all those films from Love that it. period there's a lot of great ones uh tony you've got a hard out but real quick much like patrick you've got a hard out thank you sir um thanks for noticing before we go we promise this uh top because this movie takes place largely with a hospital bed character in a mm. hospital bed uh top hospital bed scenes in movie history what comes to mind that's a great uh, that's a great question i love how kind of that was a tough one movie history but we're talking about paranormal movies here if, so it's, if we can keep it because look oh i can 
you, I can too, but you raise a great point because the greatest of all time, it's not debatable, is Rocky too. <laughs> there's one thing I want you to do for me, win. I mean, that's, that's okay. There's so, we, there's a new rule on the show. No, we can't reference Rocky for uh, at least another 10 episodes. Well, you can when it's the greatest scene of all time in the subject area we picked up. It's the greatest okay. hospital bed scene of all time in movie history. Okay. Remember okay. the nurse's rules. Yes, yes sir. Sorry. <laughs> all right. My two picks. Yes. Um, I'm going to pick uh, 28 days later. Oh, um, the, uh, wow. the uh, not the opening scene, but the first time we meet um, Cillian Murphy's character. Yes. Uh, he's waking up in the hospital after having a simple kind of surgery and in the interim God. between having gone to sleep and waking up, the whole world has gone zombie and no one's in the My hospital. My goodness, I totally forgot about that. Is such a good one, dude. Terrifying. My second choice would be um, from John Frankenheimer's movie called Seconds from 1966. Um, and the end of that movie has uh, Rock Hudson on a, uh, on a few hospital beds and a gurney and all kinds of stuff. Uh, and it is absolutely terrifying it's one of the most jolting and disturbing endings of a movie ever fantastic and it's and they're both paranormal so awesome those are my picks um honorable mention i didn't use it because it was last week but dead zone you know the hospital that's yeah. right i mean that's uh, yeah um, but my two were i mentioned this a couple of weeks ago in our bonus review of halloween kills the bed scene and there's a couple of them actually but halloween 2 even though that movie is not really great the scenes in the hospital when Lori's kind of coming to but she's drugged they're good drag herself out of the bed and he's gaining on her that is frightening it's stuff good stuff yeah that was really good stuff too and then a movie we reviewed recently um maybe the goat if you're thinking hospital bed scenes in the paranormal realm american werewolf in london the false nightmare i mean uh, it was it was on, a honorable honorable mention to me as Love was the, as was exorcist which hospital bed scene is oh. as more terrifying than that but Fantastic. i'm gonna stick with and I'm also going to I'm going to I'm going to campaign to say that really this was more of a bonus episode. If you get my my meaning. <laughs> what movie are we doing next week, Tony? Um, I think we decided on. What did we decide on? Firestarter. Oh, yeah. We're going to continue our telekinetic uh, rampage movies with Firestarter. And I can't wait. So this is an accidental stumble into three movies in a row, our telekinesis mini-thon. Uh, we're going to wrap it up with Firestarter. So I'm looking forward to that. Haven't seen it in a long time. Uh, Tony, thank you. This was a, a blast. This was really fun, except for the frog dying. I had a great time. <laughs> we hope you've enjoyed this edition of Rated P for Paranormal. Please rate, review, and share. It really does make a difference. For more information, to participate, and even donate, go to our main page, anchor.fm slash ratedparanormal. On social media, we're at ratedparanormal. All music is by Andrew Goldens Jr. You can find him on Instagram at kidriga or go to therocketscience.bandcamp.com. This podcast was created, written, produced, and edited by Maddie Blake and Anthony Arkin. I was in perfect storm. <laughs> Screw you. <laughs>